Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That third level of fandom, Ray, is, to me, the league begins to matter to you. The sport itself begins to matter to you more than any team in the league or sport matters to you. And that's where you sort of lay down the fandom of one team and you just start enjoying sort of all of it. Those to me are the three different levels of fandom. And if you are a working sports journalist, you have to at least be somewhere in the world of that third level of fan. Like it can't just be, well, I cover this team because I root for this team. Because you're not going to really cover that team. You're going to protect it because you care too much about it. You have to be willing to skin alive the thing you love the most if you are going to be a good journalist. That's just the way it is. There's no real way around that. Um, So that's when being a fan in the world of sports hurts those who wear it on on their sleeves. And I say this to you wearing an Indiana t-shirt. And I think you all do know that when it comes to Indiana basketball, I I have a level of objectivity that, you know, I'll tell you when they're going to be good and bad. I don't pretend they're going to be good when I know that they're bad. And that, to me, was always the level of fandom that, that like, Raiders fans drove me the most nuts of any fan base I ever talked to. Fan ba- Raiders fans were completely untethered to reality around their team, which made them the longest, dumbest sports conversation I think we would have. And I'm not trying to insult Raiders fans. I'm really not. But there was a level of untethered to reality or what was actually happening to Raiders fans that always bothered me about that fan base. Um Ray, I mean, I think that you're, you know, you're definitely a level three guy that's taken level three, like about as far as, as it can go. Um, but you, you clearly were drawn to sports in your, I'm picking a career in journalism fork in the road of your life. What team did you root for at any point in your life? When you were a little kid, you didn't, you weren't, you know, journalistically uninterested for journalistic integrity purposes. I was interested in the 1962 New York Mets because they were the worst team ever. And I wasn't really interested in them until the end of the year when I realized, oh my God, this team lost 120 games. Like deconstructed? How did that happen? Not deconstructed because I was only eight years old. But I just found that fascinating that you could be professional athletes and be that poor at your job or be so much worse than everybody else. But... It didn't take long for me to go, you know what? It's not that interesting unless you can look at all the other teams in the league. And then you start looking at all the other teams in the other league. Then you start looking at all the teams in all the sports. And I I got off that, that part pretty quickly. I didn't root for the Mets to win or lose in that year. I just sort of, I was fascinated by where they ended up. So it was always, there was always that sort of distance. I didn't have a, I didn't have a team that I gravitated toward. And I can't ever remember a time where I had a rooting interest for more than one game. And it would either be, it would be just because the matchup is weird and I'd like to see this team win this game just because it makes for something more interesting. Does this even include hockey? Yeah. Someone's like, well, it's clear Ray is a Hartford Whalers fan. No, it's not. You know what Ray's a fan of? Ray is a fan of defunct, no longer in rotation or use sports logos and jerseys. Yes. Well, not jerseys. I don't wear a jersey because I'm not 12 years old anymore. I'll wear a sweatshirt, though. 
So yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not proselytizing for dead teams, except that it's easier if I wanted to proselytize to proselytize for a dead team, because living teams come with living fans, and living fans suck. No, living fans don't suck. They're, as long, well, no, they're as fine long as, as long as they stay away from me, or they're listening to the show. That's it. I, I can't. I can't endorse that behavior. No. Well, we we, we want to endorse that behavior. Well, that's a company problem. We will not get more endorsements problem. the more you endorse that behavior. Well, I haven't gotten any endorsements yet. So. Well, maybe that's maybe we should try something else. Nah. <laughs> I wouldn't buy anything that I recommended. I mean, there's a level of honesty rarely involved in the advertising game. Yeah. I mean, who who said I should buy that jacket? That guy. That guy. Ugh. I'd rather be naked in a snowstorm. Guy wearing a whaler's hoodie? Hoodie? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Trent Williams today was talking about how when you are a running team, sometimes you don't just burst out of the blocks exploding with running plays. You got to kind of play yourself into a running game. And I guess that was part of the problem last week in Dallas. And he talked about how it could affect them this week in Philadelphia. Trent Williams talking to the media earlier today. The running game, especially this late in the year, is nothing. It's not like a instant uh, grits or something. You know, it's not like you just open the game, just running the ball down people throw. You know, the running game is something that you kind of you wear people on. You know, and you kind of everybody's going to have a, a different wrinkle how they're going to approach us and. You know, um, a lot of that first couple drives is spent just trying to see what what are the new changes, what are what are they doing different than we seen on film. If there are some, then we address them. If not, then we kind of know what runs to stick with. You know, and Cal does a great job of mixing it up, making runs look the same. Just kind of peeping away the defensive ends playing, and it's a whole lot that goes into it. So we never go into the game expecting to just bust the gate open with 100 yards in the first quarter. But obviously that's part of our identity uh, is, is running the ball, having a really balanced offense. So it's important for sure. But it's going to be tough sledding just like it was last week. Every every week the competition gets stiffer. It's going to be a little harder to run the ball. You know, we've been asked the question. I've been asked the question on the shows that I've been on in Philadelphia and the shows that I will be going on for the rest of this week talking about this matchup. You always get that question. What is an early indicator that the 49ers are going to be in control of this game, on their way to winning this game. I just said, look at those first half yards per rushing attempts. Look for Christian McCaffrey approaching 100 yards from scrimmage, because if he's getting somewhere around a three-digit number by halftime, things are going very, very well on the ground for the 49ers. And when things go well on the ground for the 49ers, things usually go well for the 49ers. Now, Williams can talk about how they got a slow play that running game early. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe it. But a big reason why that running game was slow played early last week is because Spencer Burford, Jake Brindle, and Aaron Banks had the biggest amount of human beings that they've ever had handfuls of in that Dallas defensive line. They're going to see something similar this weekend in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think the key to determining how the 49ers will do be the length of their first two drives and I'm talking about in terms of plays and time if they have to go three and out on either one of them it will mean at least to me that the Eagles can handle this not that they will the whole game but that they can handle us I think the most I'd be stunned to find the Eagles couldn't handle I mean that to me would be the more stunning but I mean you keep hearing people from the Philadelphia side saying well their weakness is against the run so it's not about the pass rush. It's about can they force the Niners into a long third down and then force them to punt. That, to me, would be the, that's the tip-off for me. Because one of, two thing, one of two things are going to define this game. That's one of them. The other one is what does the 49er defensive line do against the Eagles offensive line? And that's not glamorous, and you won't be able to see it in the, in the, in the box score. But... This game is very much about those guys because it's generally agreed that the Eagles have the best offensive line in football by a fair margin. I mean, uh, Ron Jaworski just reiterated that. And the 49ers are considered to have an excellent defensive line basically centered on Nick Bosa. 
So who wins that? Because if you figure out who wins that early enough, you know who wins the game. Regardless of everything else, you'll know that. Blocking if, and tackling. If one if one side dominates the other, if it's about an even fight, then this could be decided by a late interception, either caught or dropped. But if one team gets an advantage there early, there's no reason to think they won't maintain it for the rest of the game. Are you ready for what I'm going to predict is going to be a level of card-carrying, eagle fan, obnoxious Joe Fortenbaugh as we've ever heard on this station. Are you ready for obnoxious Joe Fortenbaugh? That's a redundancy. All you had to do was say, J, and I would have known. J is going to be joining us in a matter of moments here on 95.7 The Game. So billions gather around. I'm guessing there will be an uptick just for those who care about such a thing. And plenty of conversation about what the 49ers are walking to in Philadelphia by a man who will tell you, that's where I'm from. Which, you know, is sort of a technicality. He spent more time living next to the ballpark, I think, than he even did living in Philly. But we'll, we'll worry about all that a little later. Our good friend Joe Fortenbaugh is joining us next year on 95.7 The Game. Uh, the Road to Glendale is brought to you by the SF Sheriff Office. Remember, your future begins here. Visit sfsheriff.com to apply today. And remember, Joe Fortenbaugh, that Bud Light guest line. Oh, our favorite call to make. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's coming up next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Back here on Damon and Ratto, where all guests, even this one, appears on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy, as was Joe Fortenbaugh's tenure when he was out here as our humble morning show host. But no, he had bigger professional mountains to climb, and you can see him now losing America's money on an afternoon basis. Afternoon, afternoon, he's telling you what games to bet on, and that is why uh, they're continuing to build new casinos throughout Las Vegas. Joey Fortin Nuts. Joey Courtside, also known as Joe Fortinbaugh, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. He is a man conflicted this weekend. What's going on? 
That's not how you introduce a guest who went out of his way to put down the alcohol to join you two for a few minutes here, okay? I could have very happily continued on with my afternoon cocktails, moved myself into the evening, and I come in and I'm subjected to this. But I will say, the Bud Light line, like, boy, have things turned around there. I saw the ratings recently. I see everyone's kicking the teeth in of the other guys. Just, you're all grown up. You're all grown up, and I'm very proud of everybody. It's amazing the success that we've had since we cut bait with you. It truly is. <laughs> I walk, I, man, I'm, I regret the hell out of that. I walked right into that. That was, that was a layup. That's how you flush it, Kobe. Very nicely done. Maybe that's why you should be drinking more during this and not less. How are you doing, by the way? I no. figured I'd hear from you at some point during this interview. You doing all right? Still grumpy as ever? None of your business. Answer the all questions right. and then get lost. All right, all right, Raymond, take it easy. We're all just trying to make some wagers this weekend. I'm sure you've got a couple angles that I'd be interested in hearing about. So where do you guys want to begin? Do you want to begin with my plans for traveling to Arizona to get ready to watch the Eagles in the Super Bowl? Do you want to talk about whether or not Shanahan can win the big one after he loses this weekend? How do you guys want to handle this? You tell me. Let's 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 tee it up with why the 49ers are in trouble, why the Eagles are simply an immovable object they will not circumvent. <laughs> I mean, come on. You saw what we did to the Giants last weekend. You guys couldn't I mean, nice work with Dallas. You had to let it come all the way down to the end. The Cowboys, really? I mean, you take a team like that, you flush them down the toilet. You don't toy with them like that. Now, Jokes aside, and I'm sure there'll be some more trash talk banter throughout the course of the show, this is the matchup we needed in this conference. I know people, as you come, come towards the end of the season, everyone starts talking about sleepers and dark horses. No, 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 no. The Eagles, as much as I love them, they have not exactly played a robust schedule this season. This is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best team they faced. So let's see if the offense is legit, because that is one hell of a defense in San Francisco. On the other side, the Niners have been fantastic. Brock Purdy, however, two road games so far, Seattle and the Raiders, both teams outside the top 20 in total defense, slated to face a tough defense in a hostile environment this weekend. I think we have a great convergence of fantastic storylines and questions that quite frankly need answers. Purdy shouldn't be subject to a lot of the criticism he gets from people, but that's how we are when we come across something new. Like, we're scared of it, right? We can't accept it. He's been playing great. He's been doing exactly what Shanahan needs him to do, and Shanahan's been putting him in a position to make the plays he needs to make. On the other side, like I said, the Eagles, this is the toughest game all season, so I'm very excited, very excited to talk to everybody on Monday after you're all done crying Sunday evening. Uh, let's cut the crap and ask the real questions here. <laughs> if you have two teams that are as defensively skilled as these two, why has the why has the total stayed at 46 and a half instead of going down the way it should? Okay, so weather doesn't look like it's a concern, which is one thing. So this is a very smart question. And uh, sorry for my eye watch jumping in there a few moments ago. Anytime I go for like a quarter-mile walk, I put it on. It makes me feel like I'm really getting something done. Anywho, back to the question at hand. So I saw some shots had it 45 and a half. I've seen it tick up a little bit. For the most part, though, the total's been stagnant. I, I think... I, I hate to say this, I do think the Philadelphia defense is overrated. I really do. I mean, what does Shanahan want to do? He wants to run the ball. That's not a secret. That's what he wants to do. He wants to control the clock. He wants to keep the defense rested. He wants to keep Purdy out of trouble. Last thing you want in this game is Brock Purdy throwing 45 passes, right? Run the football. So that's exactly what they want to do. Well, guess what the Achilles heel of the Eagles defense is? Running the football. So I don't think it's going to be as difficult for the Niners to generate scoring as it was last week. I don't know what the hell happened last week, but you should be able to run the ball on this Eagles team, assuming the environment isn't too much for Purdy in the offense. Now, on the other side, the Eagle offense, even though they haven't been that tested, I still think most of us would realize they got weapons all over the place, so they're going to probably find a way to score some points as well. So, I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Raymond. I lean more towards the under. I think the running offenses are going to grind the clock in this game, but when I see it going up, it doesn't surprise me based on the fact that I think the Niners, it's a little bit suppressed that the Niners didn't show up with a huge number last week. I don't think that's necessarily the case this week. Um, the other thing that struck me is that, you know, people have been talking all week about how the Philadelphia crowd 
could really impact Brock Purdy's tender psyche. As, a, <laughs> as somebody who lives in Las Vegas, how do you put a number on what that might be worth? Or does that just get folded into the general advantage for the, for the home team? First of all, let me address the fact that you're allowed to ask two questions in a row. Uh, congratulations on the promotion. That's big. That's big that Ray Rado's asking two questions in the row, so congratulations on that. Well, now, Damon, Damon went to the can, so I'm just killing time here. <laughs> this interview meant so little to him, I can completely understand that. So the general rule of thumb for the longest time was three points for home field advantage. Now, that was back in the old days when we really didn't quantify things the way we do now. The defensive shift, pace and all offensive efficiency in basketball, all these things. So home field advantage has been tweaked in football as well. Three is still a starting point, but let's add in a few other components, right? Uh, or is it Monday night in New Orleans? Or is it, you know, Sunday afternoon in Houston, right? These are very different home field advantages. So with Philadelphia, I would say that they're probably worthy of the full three points, considering it's going to be very hostile there, very hostile. Not to say more hostile than Levi's, not to hurt anyone's delicate sensibilities in the Bay Area, but it's going to be loud. I've been there for these games. Like, these people are going to be drinking heavily. They're going to show up, and they take pride in the fact that they're going to make a hostile environment. Now, that said... To your point, if you're getting three for home field and you're only laying two and a half in the game, what does that tell us? What that tells us is something we've known for quite some time. The Niners, on a neutral, are power-ranked as the more impressive team than the Eagles. Now, prior to last week, it would have been a little bit more significant in San Francisco's favor, but the fact that Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson both looked healthy and the Eagles blew the doors off the Giants, all those concerns about how Philly looked late in the season are gone for the bookmakers. So they're kind of back to where they were power-ranked, but if you put them on a neutral. The, the, the pros who do this for a living, they do have San Francisco power rated as a better team, and that's why the Niners were actually the favorite to win the NFC late in the season instead of the Eagles. It's not just because the Eagles were stumbling. Vegas gives them a lot of respect, even with Purdy at quarterback. Joe Fortenbaugh here on Damon and Ratto. So if the Niners do go in there and win, what was the most performative nonsense that you have offered up in this interview. Like, what do you think is the thing that you could be most wrong about if the 49ers win this game? I can't, listen, I, I can't even, I really don't even want to go down that path. I, I um, it's not to say the Niners can't win, because obviously I'm going to come on with my bravado and talk my trash, but I got a lot of things going on here on the home front. As you know, I married into Bill's Mafia. They, of course, did what they did last week. So I got that problem on my hands. Her parents are coming to town Friday night. They're staying with us for like a month. Uh, you know, that's clearly a disaster, as anyone could, could anticipate. Anyone who listened to me back in the day when I was on there, I was dealing with that at that time as well. So none of this is good. And compounding the issue is when the Eagles won the Super Bowl years ago, and Harris, my oldest's birthday is always right around Super Bowl weekend. So the Eagles won on his first birthday, and everyone was there supporting Philadelphia. And I've always wanted to return that favor to the Buffalo side of the family. So now that they flame out on the year they're supposed to win it, and the damn Eagles come out of left field and they're suddenly looking really good, it's like, what do I do? I'm walking on eggshells in my own house. The last thing that happens that needs to happen is losing to the Niners. Because now I'm losing on every front. I at least got to get something out of this. I got to get a trip to the Super Bowl if I'm going to be miserable in my own household. So I got that problem. Now, that being said, should the Niners handle business, uh, wouldn't be new to me. You know how many NFC championships, losers I've been a part of? Uh, the Rams in the greatest show on turf. Uh, Rondé Barber and the stupid pick six at Veterans Stadium. The Carolina Panthers, who somehow came in and McNabb turned the ball over 20 times. Then a few years later, they come out of left field and they go to the, the conference championship again and they face Arizona and they get their teeth kicked in in that game. So I don't even want to think about it, but I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Where I would be wrong would be the Eagle offense would be completely shut down and Sirianni would be exposed as a mid-level coach. You know, there's a reason he's not one of the final three finalists, okay? A bit redundant there. I'm sure Rado will get me for that one. But a bit, it, there's a reason. It's Dable, Peterson, and Shanahan. Sirianni had an easy schedule, and that team did not show up for that Saints game. And I think that was the game that cost him. So I think it would be coaching, and I think the offense and Jalen Hurts would just get worked over by D'Amico Ryans in that Niner defense. If you're done whining about your hard luck in prior conference finals... <laughs> 
Can you explain to me where the Chiefs Bengals line is going to end up? Because it opened it with Kansas City at two and a half, lurched to Cincinnati by two and a half, I think Tuesday, and now is back to one Kansas City in every shop except the win. So excellent research by you, by the way. Nicely done. Um, what happened, this, the, all the key movement, there were two key moves. There was the initial move, which was when, when Westgate and some of the other books sent out Kansas City minus three right after the Bengals beat the Bills, that number got hammered. That, that number just got hammered all the way down to pick them immediately, and it kept tick, uh, trickling to, like you said, Cincinnati minus two and a half. And then we got the Zabruder tape of uh, Mahomes yesterday standing on the dais and then walking around at practice, and all of a sudden Kansas City money hit the market. Like, to, in my opinion, what were you expecting to see? Did you think he wouldn't have legs? And then all of a sudden when he showed up with legs, everyone decided to bet him? Like, yeah, he walked gingerly off the dais. How'd you think that was going to happen? Was he going to be in a wheelchair? Like, he was lightly jogging at practice, okay? Like, again, it's not a broken leg. It's not an amputation. What did we think was going to happen? And then on top of that, the Chiefs list him as a full participant, and he's on the dais telling everyone he feels great. This is all bull, okay? It's bull. If this was a regular season game, there's no way he even practices on Wednesday. They're just trying to send the message to Cincinnati that he's fine, trying to get in their heads. I'm not saying he's hurt, he's seriously hurt, but he's definitely not 100%, and that's going to affect his mobility. Remember something. Over the last five years, Kansas City has ranked in the top three in third-down conversions every single year. Part of that is because of his ability to buy extra time in the pocket and let his receivers get open down the field. If he can't do that, that's going to kill him on third down. And if you're dead on third down, it's going to be tough to be Burrow and the Bengals, who are winning every single week. I do think the under might be the play there as well, because everyone forgot about Cincy's O-line issues because of what happened in the Bills game. That game was in the snow. It hurt the pass rush. It's not supposed to snow at Arrowhead. I think the Chiefs get after Burrow a little bit. Joe Fortenbaugh, who's been a Philadelphia Eagles fan ever since they reached the NFC title game and has been a big Phillies fan since they approached the World Series last year, joins us here, <laughs> doing a decidedly pro-Philadelphia segment on a station that once used to love him and call him home. But no, he has no regard for the room that he's actually playing in to play to the crowd. So let's just keep this stone-cold business, Mr. Gambler. Give me a prop bet that's going to feed the kids. Okay, first off, I never lied to the audience when I was there. I'm always very proud of that. Never tried to pretend I was someone I was not. Everyone knew who I was rooting for. So authentic. I was able to embrace the local so teams. If you all forget, so I'm the one that delivered you a basketball dynasty. Your team was crap until I because showed up from and you Philadelphia. won the title that year. Because you they're from Philadelphia. Say they're from Philadelphia, so of course Joe could move the cosmos on them too. Yeah, so there you have it. So, all right, you want some prop bets? I'm going to give you a few. In the Niners game... Purdy, over nine and a half rushing yards, okay? These quarterbacks, they lay it all on the line. He's going against the number one pass defense in the NFL. He drops back. There's crowd noise. Guys are covered. He's going to take off. He's going to run. The kid's a gamer. He's going to try to make some plays. Keep in mind, Philadelphia allowed the fourth most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks this season, so that's one prop I would play. In the Kansas City game, I give you, I'll give you a bunch. Joe Mixon, under three and a half receptions. Ryan gets a lot of the snaps in the passing game, and he's a better blocker. And with a banged-up offensive line, they need to use Pirine in the backfield more than Mixon, so go Mixon under three-and-a-half receptions. Hayden Hurst, the Cincinnati tight end, over three-and-a-half receptions. He had two receptions in the game earlier this year against uh, Kansas City, so people say, oh, why would I want to bet that? He only played nine snaps in that game before he got hurt. Tight ends do well against this defense. Hurst over three and a half, and then Jamar Chase over 82 and a half receiving yards. Kansas City ranks 31st in the NFL against opposing number one wide receivers. Like, dudes have eaten them up. Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. Chase himself went for 97 yards in the first game, so I play that over as well. That Eagle game, I don't have a ton. I have the Purdy prop, um, and I've been toying around with some other stuff, but I haven't gotten there just yet on a lot of them. I'm just I'm trying to figure out. I think if you want to play a tackles prop, Dre Greenlaw over 8.5 tackles is a place I would be. He's averaging 8.4 on the year, and Philly loves to run. So I think he's going to have a ton of opportunity. Like, that's your X factor in that game. It's Philly's rushing attack versus Warner and Greenlaw, who have been incredible this season. That linebacker unit does not get enough... Uh, 
does not get the credit that they deserve nationally. If you like to fade the public, which game do you go to and what side and where? So in this one, it feels like with the Cincinnati game, I think the public is going to try to rally around the Bengals. That's just an early guess. And now if Mahomes is somehow declared, uh, you know, completely healed, Kansas City takes a lot of money, but the Bengals have been great to people. And the public tends to focus more more intently on what just happened. Recency bias, right? So you watch them go in the Buffalo, they hammer the Bills. Kansas City struggles with Jacksonville. I think the public's going to like Cincinnati in that game. For the Niner game, it's probably going to be Philadelphia. They're at home. They blew out the Giants. Everybody watched the Niner game last week, and they were struggling a little bit against Dallas. And then people fixate, the public fixates on quarterbacks. Like, they haven't come around on Purdy yet, but I think that's an advantage for the Niners, and I think that might lead to value on the Niners. What's curious is that this game's been sitting two and a half almost all week. You know as well as I do that three is the most key number in all of football betting. So I'm wondering if we see a three, and if we do, how long does it last? Because if it pops and then immediately disappears, which I think will happen, or I think could happen more than likely, then that tells you exactly where the professionals are. They're waiting to get the field goal with the Niners. Is there any conclusion to be made from the fact that the Bengals were the best team against the line during the regular season and the Chiefs were second to last? Yeah, I think there's something to that. Uh, for the Bengals, they, the way they were power rated this season, the public loves Cincinnati. All right, They were in the Super Bowl last year. They like Joe Burrow. They score a lot of points. It doesn't take a lot to recognize what the public's interested in, since he checks all those boxes. But Vegas had them power rated lower. If you look at their win total and their Super Bowl odds and everything else, I think a lot of people in Vegas thought, all right, they had a pretty fortuitous pass last year. They got the Raiders. They got Tannehill. The Chiefs lost that game in the second half rather than the Bengals won it, and then they lost the Super Bowl. So they were power rated lower. As a result, you had really favorable prices, and they turned out to be a good team. Like the Tampa Bay game is the one that always sticks out to me on Cincinnati because they went down there on a Sunday, and the Bengals were, I think, getting points, or it was a really, it was a really cheap spread, like two, two and a half. And I kept thinking, this Tampa team sucks. How is this spread like this? And then Tampa completely imploded in the third quarter, and Cincy hammered them. But a lot of bookmakers looked at that and blamed it on Tampa rather than Cincy. In the other side of the equation, um, when you're talking about Kansas City, everybody loves Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, they were double-digit favorites in like six games. They were favorites of nine or more in seven or eight games this season. It's tough to cover those numbers in the NFL week in and week out. Like, they blew out Denver in the first half, but then Denver came back to cover the number. They did that in a bunch of games this year. So they're just overvalued because of how good they've been, kind of a victim of their own success sort of thing. Call the Super Bowl. What do you think we're watching on February 12th? <laughs> I mean... It's, it's, is it the Eagles by four touchdowns or five? I mean, that's up to you. You call. I'll, I'll set it right up in that, in that slate and let you know. Um, I, I have bet Philadelphia this weekend. I, it's, it's, even if I take my emotion out of it, I do like their situation more. Um, you know, like I said, Purdy, only two road games. I think this is going to be a tough spot. San Francisco's playing their 12th consecutive weekend of football. Philly had the bye two weeks ago. I think all that stuff adds up. Not trying to troll anyone, that's where I'm at. But I'll be completely honest. It's not going to surprise me at all if the Niners win. The Niners are damn good. He's damn hedging. good. Hedging. Like, I can talk all the trash I want, hedging. but they're fantastic. So it's a tough bet. It's not a big bet for me. I, I unloaded on Philly against the Giants last week. Like, I knew that one was a lock. That was as obvious as could be. This one is not like that at all. On the other side of the equation, I am on Cincinnati. But again, very tough. It's not a large wager. I'd be betting more on the props that I talked about earlier than I will on these games. Is it true whatever movie wins best movie, best picture at the Oscars this year will instantly become your favorite movie of all time? You know, I haven't seen most of those. I, I'm sure this is some sort of attempt at you to be funny and highbrow because that's what you like to do, the, the fake, uh, sophisticated savant that you, you carry yourself to be. But I saw you in Vegas not too long ago, drinking cheap whiskey, watching your college basketball team from the Midwest get their face kicked in behind two guys that, did you notice that one dude's pants, his, half his ass was hanging out the entire game? Like yes. that, that was the worst. Not only were they fans of the other team, that dude was just slob city. I, I never even got a chance to address that with you. 
Probably because neither one of us wants to talk about another guy's ass, so I'll just let that go for now. Joey uh, the Band. audience can go ahead and weigh in on the text line with that one. Joey but, Bandwagon um, here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, have you ever seen a crowd take over an arena, though, more than those Indiana Hoosiers? Be honest. They did great. They did great. Not just the arena, the entire casino. That, that floor of the MGM Grand is, is huge. They were everywhere. Once again, reaffirming that there's nothing to do in Indiana in the middle of the winter, so why not come out here and hang out with us in Vegas? We love it. Come on in. But that was a good time. Unfortunately, it didn't work out so well, uh, but it's only one game, so we'll see how you guys play it the rest of the way out. I don't even know what your question was. I was too busy ranting on the last one, so... uh uh, apologies, I guess. I don't know. This is what you bring me on for, though. Uh, very witty, very insightful stuff. I like the fact that you continue to not pay attention to anything but your own bloviation. That's very, that's impressive. That's uh, true. I came onto this show with an agenda, and I'm I'm hitting every single mark. I, I got to tell you, let me ask you two a question. How confident are you guys? What's the pulse of the fan base? Congratulations beating Dallas and the Geno Smith and the Seahawks, but now you're stepping up in class. It's like getting a chance to fight Mayweather. How do you feel? I mean, like any time you can beat a team that put 40 on the Eagles, that's got to be good, right? <laughs> that was Gardner Minshew. That was Gardner Minshew. That's oh, a different story, okay. Tommy. Okay, yeah. Do, are, do you want to talk about a third-string quarterback or your backup quarterback? I'm talking. Hey, look, we got our starter in, okay? You guys want to get handsome Jimmy out there? Uh, if Trey wants to start walking around again, I, I will say, <laughs> I can't believe the content that you guys get to discuss on a daily basis in that city. Like, it never I know you always talk about when you're on vacation, a big story breaks. It's every day with you guys. You got a quarterback controversy every year. You got the Warriors winning titles every single year. Uh, you know, <laughs> the George Springer thing was just incredible to be a part of, to watch that from a distance as everything was playing out. It is just amazing to me how at every turn there's content. This Purdy story. I mean, you guys are talking about it like crazy. I don't think it's getting enough attention. The guy is a seventh-round rookie. He hasn't lost yet. Everyone keeps creeps crediting the coach and all the players, which, yeah, you should, but he's also making a hell of a lot of plays. When he beats your Eagles, it's just going to be glorious. Will we get that Monday interview too, Joe? I will come on Monday. I will come on Monday, win or lose. But let me tell you something. Win or lose. So if they beat the Niners, you better clear some space for your boy. You better be ready. And everyone in San Francisco, take your little jerseys, wipe your eyes. I'm sure Shasky's going to, you know, it's, he's going to be in some gutter somewhere. He's going to be beside himself. Can't believe you lost the Eagles. We're coming. We're coming for you. So on Monday, you make sure you clear space for Joe Fornball to come on and tell you all exactly what he thinks. Don't go running and hiding. I don't think either of you would do that, but... Not going to put it past Ratto. What if the Eagles win but don't cover? Then it's kind of an awkward conversation for all of us. I'm still very <laughs> excited. You guys are still very upset. But if you bet the Niners, you at least come away with something. And at least I'm knocked off my high horse a little bit. So it's kind of like we're all meeting in the middle on that one. Are we going to be meeting at the Greek for three nights of fish in April? So I'm looking into a lot of that. I'm looking into a lot of that right now. We're trying to get uh, the parents out here, my mother. We're trying to get some coverage. I, I might be a solo act. I don't know. I was looking at the Seattle shows. The, the Greek shows are middle-of-the-week shows. I know. The others are, are weekend shows. And I don't know why the Bay Area has to get the most complicated stuff, but I am looking into that. I will be in touch. Have a good one, man. Always great to talk to you. Uh, have a good one and give uh, Nikki our condolences. Not only are her bills out of the tournament, she's got to deal with you. I mean, I made the mistake of telling her very quickly after that loss that, you know, at least why, I actually went up and put my arm around her and I said, I may have been drinking a little bit here, but I said, don't worry, at least one of our teams got through and that didn't really land the way I thought it was going to land. So she's probably <laughs> not going to want to hear your condolences. Best of luck to all of you this weekend. Enjoy it. You guys had a hell of a run. You made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. It's nothing to feel ashamed about losing to the one seed. It's important. All of you in the Bay Area understand that. Sure, the Warriors might not win another title. Sure, the Giants are a mess. Sure, the Sharks haven't been relevant in forever. But at least you guys made it to the NFC Championship game, and that's a huge win for the little engine that could, San Francisco 49ers. I just got a note from your wife telling you to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> she look that that has nothing to do with with anything other than being around me for 10 years now she's had enough so me sleeping with one eye open is not football related but i'm sorry gentlemen I, i'm just all out of time i hate to do it to you oh. 
Joey Charcuterie Board has a lot to do tonight. So you guys enjoy yourselves. And uh, a break for Monday. Break for Monday. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in that office that are not going to want to hear from me come Monday. So you better be ready for it. Well, I'm one of them, and I don't have a rooting interest. Well, good for you. You're going to hear from me regardless. And you know what? You're going to rate well because of it, and you're never going to thank me. But we'll both know this segment was the winning segment of the week. Our ratings have never been better since Joe Fortenball left 95-7 <laughs> the game. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Love you guys. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. There's the uptick. We knew we were going to get an uptick. We got an uptick. I love how he was uh, trying to pile on, and he, he talked about uh, the, the George Springer story. I, I think he meant Carlos Correa. But I didn't want to stop him because, I mean, the pure Colombian was flowing through Joe Fortenbaugh throughout that entire segment. You could feel it. Well, the truth is, I don't think he knows the difference between Carlos Correa and George Springer. <laughs> He's great. Look, we, we love Joe. Uh, we miss Joe. I miss Joe. Guy's uh, fantastic. And whenever... Well, just we're in Vegas. Call, I mean, we see just it. yell out his name. You'll hear him from Vegas. Someone was like, why does he sound like he's screaming? Because he is. No, he really wasn't. That's the beauty of the landline. We don't have him on a cell phone. A cell phone takes the bass and bravado out of just about every interview you could do. But when you can get somebody on a landline, you got something in an interview. Even if it's just Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that part is well said. Ah, love him. Absolutely love that guy, Joe Fortenbaugh. A lot of love for Joe coming in. A lot of people understanding that there is, you know, there's a little bit of bit to that too, but there's also an Eagles fan in, in Joe. It, it, like I said, he's also a Phillies fan as long as they're qualifying for the World Series. I'm sure he's ready to jump on a, a Temple bandwagon or maybe, you know, Penn or Pitt should they start playing well in March. But, you know. Pitt? Why would he care about Pitt? Just, uh, yeah, well, I guess... You really wouldn't. I was just thinking. I was just in full Pennsylvania mode there for a second. You were thinking St. Joe's or LaSalle. Yes, exactly. Big Five schools. Yeah. Palestra, baby. Even though the Big Five doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. They should bring back that tournament. I'm not even sure the Palestra exists anymore. Palestra's still there. Palestra is still there. What's it uh, doing? Monster trucks now? No, it's not that big. It's a tiny little gym. Have you ever been oh, in yeah. there? Yeah, it's a tiny, gorgeous. I meant Lego place. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> Uh, but no, it's it's. I think they still uh, every now and then they play a game in there just cause. Like, why wouldn't you? You got that cornfield in Iowa. You're going to play one game there every year from now on. Palestra's like that too. They'll throw in a Villanova St. Joe game or something. It's also a great name because it doesn't have any corporate sponsor tied to it. It's just it's nice. the Palestra. It is nice, like the Spectrum. Uh, how about this? While we were talking, to Joey Courtside, Mister Fortin Nuts himself. We got ourselves all-star teams. Well, starting all-star teams. From the NBA, Shams has uh, produced two lists. Ray, you want to start East or West? Where do you want to start? Uh, dealer's choice. Go ahead. You know, let's work local, and then we'll work outward. We'll start with the West, where LeBron James obviously is your captain. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and maybe the name I'm most surprised to see on either team announced as a starting member, Zion Williamson is starting the All-Star game. I mean, how many games has Zion even started this year? It feels like he has been spectacular when out there, and the Pelicans are better when he is out there, but he's out there so infrequently. To name him a starter to this All-Star team is, is a little much. And I understand it's a popularity contest, but I'm surprised he's still this popular given how out of sight, out of mind, even athletes become. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the the starting lineup is just sort of a, hey, here's what the fans wanted. And people want to see Zion Williamson. The fact is, New Orleans is a very average team without him. And they have hung on to fourth place only because all the teams below them can't figure out how to get away from 500. But while he was playing, New Orleans was one of the best teams in basketball. So I kind of get that. The name that I might have replaced him with, though, if we could go fully positionless, would probably be Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah. Because he's been extraordinary. In fact, Zach Lowe made a case for him being in the starting lineup instead of Curry. 
And I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad notion, except for the fact that the starting lineup is about what the fans want. The reserves is where you get the real action. Look, Steph Curry belongs in the, any any all-star starting lineup. We, we know that. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander has had a tremendous first half. Well, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's just, you know, Steph Curry's going to be that guy. But Gilgis-Alexander has... Slightly better numbers, and has played 400 more minutes. And he's doing it on his own. And he's doing well. You know, not on his own, but you not, know what I mean. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's on. A, it's on a ninth place team. But I. I mean, Zach Lowe made the case, not me. So I can't take credit for it. But it seemed compelling to me that if you were just doing this on merit, then maybe he's he belongs there instead of Curry. But this is not about merit. The merit comes when you have to pick the other seven guys. LeBron, Curry, Luka, Jokic, and Zion Williamson, who has started 29 of the Pelicans' 49 games played so far this year. Uh, For the East, it's Giannis, Tatum, KD, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell makes the Eastern Conference All-Star team after one half of his career being played in the Eastern Conference. He really is. The engine making the surprise Cavaliers go, and how much of a factor they become into the postseason, I, I don't know. But he's been, he's been better than he was in Utah, a lot better. Guys, having a monster year. Giannis is your captain. Tatum again is putting up an MVP level season. KD, we know what he does. Kyrie Irving got two Brooklyn Nets in the starting five for the Eastern Conference, and Donovan Mitchell. So there you go. We will know. Who the uh, who the reserves are a little bit later on, and then what the captains get to pick then from the reserves in their own conference is that how it goes? It does. Yes, I believe that's the format again this year. I don't mind the format. I just mind how they go about it. What they should do is all assemble. Where, where's the All Star game this year? Where's going to be? Salt Lake City. Utah. Oh, that's right. It's in Utah. Donovan Mitchell starting that game. That's nice. But. Um, they should get out there a half an hour before tip-off and pick teams. That, to me, would make the All-Star game and the format of captains picking players better. That, that would be the way to do it. And then you could eliminate the, well, no one wants to be picked last by giving whoever gets picked last a, a car or something. Some, some sort of, there's no reason for you to be embarrassed being the last All-Star is still better than any other person's day at work. When the NHL did the car thing 15 years ago, it was a cute little thing. Now, given the salaries that these guys get paid, you'd have to give them a home. You buy them a house. You don't give them a car. Car is nothing. They buy cars out of petty cash. Well, maybe something. But something to, you know... Alleviate the fact that you got picked last and the internet's going to try to shame you. And, 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 there's, and There's no shame in being the last All-Star. Yeah, and I remember one year when Logan Couture was the last guy picked for an NHL All-Star game. And he was pissed about it. He said he didn't even want the car. So I think you've got you to spice up your offer here. And the other thing that I was surprised about when you were talking about the East team. No Joel Embiid. In the starting lineup, you know, I didn't, and he's been extraordinary this year. I didn't. Think he's been of that. better than Giannis, and I love watching Giannis play. But Joel Embiid, if we're going to basically just do this on stardom, sure, I get Giannis. But if you're going to do it on deeds, Embiid's been better. Well, and and, his, and, his and also in the MVP combo him, last I'd year, I put him on instead of Durant because Durant has missed as much time as he has. Obviously, if you're going to make use the, the Williamson argument. I mean, obviously missing time is not a factor as fans Clearly come not. up with his vote. Yeah, but, I mean, if, again, if you're arguing about, you know, what fans want, this team is perfectly fine. If you're arguing about who's had the best first half, there are two noteworthy, uh, not omissions, because they'll both be on the, on the teams anyway, but... Two guys you can make a, a more compelling case for. I am I'm not a fan of eliminating the fans from the process of selecting an all-star game. You know, fans should choose their stars in a way. But I hate that it's turned into the stuff the ballot box as much as you want. It should be one man, one vote. One person, one vote. One 
IP address, one online ballot. That's that's all it should be. You shouldn't be able to cast infinity votes. But if you're doing this for the fans, what you're trying to do is engage more fans to do more stuff, which means buy more things. So you're going to let them stuff the ballot box. Oh, sure. Get online so we can get as much information yeah. about your digital fingerprints as yeah. humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, LeBron James received 700 billion votes. You know, I mean, it, and I don't know that we're far away from that. And here was an interesting stat in the Lowe story that I saw. When, when uh, LeBron James is on the floor for the Lakers, they're plus 48. When he's not on the floor, they're minus 110. Ooh. I mean, if he's not the MVP this time, and I'm not even talking about reputation, he has done more with less than maybe any other player since Will Chamberlain. And you're hardly some LeBron fanboy, so... No, but I mean, the facts are clearly the facts. And you can't argue those. I mean, you can argue them, but you'd look like an idiot. He's having an extraordinary year, and we all know that because of just the way... You know, MVP voting works. He won't even get a sniff of it. Let's be totally honest. But is I'm he not worthy? He might that. be. Well, maybe I mean, he does. Hold on. Lucas says he's got something for us before we get to Steve Kerr live at five. What do you got, Lucas? I do. The reserves, the rosters, the players named to the all-star reserves will be named a week from tonight. However, the draft will not be a week from tonight. They're actually, it, it was announced two nights ago that they're going to do a live schoolyard pick an hour before tip-off. In Salt Lake City, so the captains are going to choose. They are going to do that. Right before the game in Salt Lake City. That game is February 19th, by the way. That's All-Star Game. All right. Well, then that just got a scotch more interesting, if you don't mind me saying. Because the All-Star Game is pretty much unwatchable these days. No, the only thing that's interesting about any All-Star Game is who's on the team. It stops being interesting at that moment. Steve Kerr starts being interesting at the moment he hops on with us. He does it next here on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale, brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. We're also brought to you by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.